Welcome back to Not Alone, a podcast about faith and well-being. We're so glad you're listening. So two weeks ago, we dropped part one of Critique to Curiosity. We talked about how to interact with people of different worldviews than us and how to be curious about life in general. Well, this week, we're staying on topic, but we're tilting in a slightly different direction. This week, we're going to be talking about how to deal with conflict and disagreement with people who are already in our lives. That includes our coworkers, our friends, our family, the people we follow on social media. And with Thanksgiving coming up soon, we think this might be a pertinent thing to talk about. So without further ado, here are Lindsay Geist, Michael McCord, and Evan DeYoung. So if we were going to take it from the big picture culture going to another country, I think it would to kind of sum up where we've been is that for some reason we approach these big differences with a lot more reverence and curiosity than we do the little micro differences, especially when we've had relationships with folks over time. So let's spend a a little while here talking about some more like hyper practical personal uh, based on our experiences as folks in the United States, how how do we and what have we seen be helpful or challenging about having actual recurring regular relationships, so family, friends, coworkers, with folks that are pretty radically different than us, even in belief, like, We'll take all the big cultural stuff and let's put that in a box and let's talk nuts and bolts. There's somebody that I work with. It's challenging. We believe different things. Those interactions can get spicy, but sometimes I just keep my mouth shut, right? Like those are the things that that many of us are dealing with. Uh, What are some of those common things that you think show up that would be challenging, like a workplace or like a family member? Uh, I think that there's some helpful places to start with all of this. Um, I, I encourage every person before you have a conversation, uh, with someone that you perceive thinks differently than you, uh, and a challenge, a conversation that could be challenging, check your motives. Why are you having this conversation? If you are having this conversation because you want to be right, then that is not the reason to be having this conversation right now. You should have told me that before we started recording three seasons of podcasts. (laughs) Personally, I think, I think you should go in just assuming that everyone believes the same thing you do and just brandish your thoughts out there. You know, Oh my goodness. Really great one is just walk in the room and just assume everyone supports the same presidential candidate as you. Who wants to fight? (laughs) <laughs> oh my goodness. I think that checking your motives is kind of asking your reason why. Right. Why am I really having this conversation? Am I having this conversation because I actually want to learn about somebody, want to grow, want to possibly change, um, and because I love them and I want to learn more about them? Or am I doing this because I want to feel better mm. somehow? And I think a lot of times we do it because I want to feel better. I don't disagree with that. <laughs> I think we all want- I am glad we're on the same page. 
<laughs> there is that element of you. You just told him he can't disagree with you. So he's just, he's. <laughs> <laughs> you want to be heard. But you, so I, I get challenged by uh, Proverbs 18.12 a lot. Uh, a fool does not delight in understanding, only in expressing their own opinion. Uh, I mean, that is, what did I say, 18.2? Yeah, 18.2. I just looked it up. Uh, that is a very challenging statement uh, as a believer because it means that even if we have an opinion about God or humanity or our purpose, we don't even need to... <laughs> I, I question how far I have to take that, right? Like... Does God need me to stand up for him and fight for him in these conversations? Or as is is my role and is he telling me, well, if you seek to understand first, you can actually get somewhere. But if all you're worried about is expressing your opinion about me, me being God, then that's not even how I want you to approach it. But it seems like that's such the way that the church has approached it over the course of time, is that like... We have to stand up for who God is and what he wants. <laughs> and that needs to extend to your professional life, your personal life, your, your social life, and your family life. Like, you have to be the voice of God in all those scenarios, or else everyone will die in eternal suffering, separated from the love of the Father. <laughs> and that's well, a lot of pressure uh, to put on, like, a cookout. <laughs> yeah, it, well, <laughs> just your, your life in general. And it also... Is a lot of pressure to put on the creator, because because what what yeah but, but uh, I, I think <laughs> yes yes and uh, not but yes and <laughs> this episode of the podcast that, <laughs> Michael questions the mano and mano <laughs> yeah yeah strength of God the creator of the universe probably can't handle that uh, no what I what I find is that uh, when I start to talk about my understanding of of God is that it's, it's really wrapped deeply into my own perception of reality. It's a very white Southern male, uh, cisgender, heterosexual male, father, pastor. Uh, and that's how my norms for understanding the, the creator of humankind is wrapped up in my personal identity. And so um, we go to war, literally, literally, very literally, we go to war over our understandings of of God, not realizing that we've only seen this very small part of the greatness that is our Creator, and uh, I think that's you know to to go back to to the last episode and think about the international travel I did, and you know it's like their their experiences with with God are just different. They're they're value systems and expressions and songs they sing and uh, are, are different than my own in many ways. And, and so those experiences have widened my view and understanding. So that's what I mean by it puts a lot of pressure on, on God. If we think that somehow the, the, the creator has to fit inside of our personal experience uh, and anything that's outside of that is, is dangerous. Um, which I think is our comfort level at this point. I love that uh, we named one thing of how to how to kick off uh, having conversations with somebody different than us of 
Check your motives. (laughs) (laughs) Checking your motives of what's even starting this whole thing. Yeah. And I feel like it, do you, do you have any tips for us? Cause I feel, I mean, my own experience is I need some kind of like some kind of built in, like, Oh, I need to check myself on this conversation. Like any helpful tips for how you might help someone. Cause it's that, because it's, unfortunately it's when we, we react that we make our best, our, our worst decisions. Um, and that, that there's that, for me, I need some kind of like little trigger, some kind of like reminder to check myself. Any hints for how you might do that in a, in a kind of a moment? Kind of a, I mean, these tend to be heated. I have an activity that I've prepared. Oh. That can guide us through this. I don't want okay. to, Lindsay, if you had an answer that was like some good ground rules, then we can go over that. Or if you'd like to incorporate them into the activity, I think it'll work just fine. Let's be wild and crazy and let's go on to activity. Oh, and then I will. I, yes. I, I really want to go down this path. Okay. Yeah. I mean, my curiosity, my curiosity is so high. I'm not going to critique the fact that we're like, and let's turn left because we're, I, my curiosity as, is As here. long as it ends on some kind of throw up analogy, I think we'll be good. It's a podcast, not a textbook. So we'll be, we'll be just fine. <laughs> oh, goodness. No one is forced to listen to this. I don't think so. Uh, if you are, you can reach out on all our socials and we'll get you help. Uh, so... <laughs> so Here's your first scenario, and then let's let's talk a little bit about if this is a common experience, and then what we can do and what our options are, and work through some of our tips and tricks. You are on social media, and I think we need to, for the rest of the conversation going forward, assume that this is someone that you already have an existing relationship with. So we're not allowed to approach it with the... Oh, this is not the random different. person this on is, someone comment. Correct. This okay. is this is someone that you have known for a decent amount of time. You will probably have to interact with them again in life. Um, so you are on social media and somebody has posted a very hot take on something that you absolutely do not disagree. You do not agree with. On top of that, you think there's some dangerous underlying thought processes that have done that, and maybe they're even misrepresenting some values in a different way. So maybe they're claiming like spiritual authority on something that you think is really outside of that kind of biblical purview of what that scripture would be, right? I mean, we're talking... So this is a very, very hypothetical scenario you're giving us. Yes, very hypothetical. Very, very hypothetical. You have read something, and let's just say it's on Facebook, because that's where it all lives. Uh, (laughs) Twitter, I guess, would be there too, but... There it is. The hot take is there, and your blood pressure has spiked. Like, you went into fight-or-flight mode from something that came across a screen in front of you, right? Like, that is bad. Can we just agree that that's bad? That you could see something on a screen that would elicit the same response as a bus hurtling towards you? It's true. Right? Like, mm-hmm. that can't be good for our, like, long-term health as a society. And, and honestly, it is. I am like, either I'm going to make a comment or I'm going to silence them for 30 days. So I don't okay, want to see great. There, that's it okay michael michael's got us into it so he michael has said there's two lanes that he will typically go in he's either going to a say something or silence all of their posts for 30 days and stick them into into the mute bin on his social media feed so what 
So there. You've done, is that healthy, Lindsay? Yeah. Well, so a healthy approach. <laughs> I find that approach really fascinating because there are some people that I have snoozed um, for 30 days on Facebook, but there are also some people that I follow that I intentionally do not snooze them, even though it uh, triggers me sometimes reading it because I believe that it's important for me to continue to process people that are thinking differently than me. And so I make sure that I leave it there so that I see it. And I want to know thought patterns of people that are thinking differently than me. Um, Not because, I mean, if I'm being totally transparent, there are some times where I'm like, I want to know where they are coming from so I can prepare my ammunition to go go. back, go back and like do more tactical tell them why they're wrong. Um, But most of the time I really leave those people in my feed to make sure that I uh, don't start having such a narrow minded uh, kind of pool of voices that everybody is saying the same thing. And I assume everybody thinks like me. Um, I rarely respond to social media postings um, that are controversial. Um, First of all, I want to be seen a lot of times as pretty neutral places, um, especially being a therapist. I don't think that it's necessarily my place to always be like, this is what everybody should believe. Um, I want people to spend more time knowing why they believe things. Um, But if you're going to respond to a post, I would really check your motive again, as I said, and then think through um, kind of like how to open dialogue of even something like this post surprised me, uh, or wasn't what I expected, uh, from you. In I'd love to talk comments more. or privately. You could, <laughs> I think because that question I mean, that kind of statement, and I would say the question or statement afterwards is I would love to have a conversation about this. Um, not, all of that is direct, but also not starting the argument there. I, I think it's, I, I, so I, I am not just a binary thinker when it comes to Facebook posts. I don't just snooze people. I rarely snooze people, but there are some times where it's just like, I can't, I can't handle another conspiracy theory. You run into um, a boundary. Yeah, there's just like a, I need a break. Uh, and because it's like a car accident, you know, you just like, you get, you get sucked into it and you're like, uh, for the next thing you know, you, you were in somebody cause you're not paying attention to anything else. So I, you know, I think there are people you need to, to snooze for your own mental well-being. but I do, th- I find it interesting to find people's thoughts and understand why they, I, why they feel compelled to post these certain thoughts. That's that's really always interesting to me. And I've I like to ask opening questions. If I'm so if I'm going to encounter, either I'll point out some factual piece of information without any commentary, like not not suggesting one thing or another, or ask open any questions. Like so, why does this? If you and a good one is like, well, so why do you, why did you put this? Like Lindsay said, I, I wasn't expecting this. Why, why is this so important to you? I'd like to understand more. Um, the others, what, because often Facebook posts are critical of something. They're not curious. Mm-hmm. They're critical. <laughs> they're, they're like, this is wrong. It should be fixed. 
um, I don't like this administration's decision to do this. And anyone who's a Republican or Democrat, whatever it is, you know, you're wrong, you're bad. Um, and so you kind of open it. At, well, what would a solution to this look like? How would you fix this? If you could, if you could do anything to make this better, what would it be? Because those are more generative responses then people actually get engaged in that. And there's some interesting places of middle road there. When you start to ask someone, how could we make this better? Not what is the right or wrong answer? Um, questions like around abortion is a great example. Abortion has a very strong yes or no. But when you start to break down the nuance in the middle of it all, they realize there's a lot more harmony between people than, than, we, than we think sometimes. Um, and so any case, just, just this week, a uh, friend of mine in, in my community posted this story about nurses, a critique about stuff that's happening on in the medical field right now. I'll let you figure out what, you know, there are lots of things you could critique, but this is one of them. And they're, they're engaged this long, you know, tirade about the current scenario and all the bad things about it. And it all was referenced on this article that this person posted. Well, I clicked on the article. I was interested. And because it had cited some, some kind of, some form of legislation that I was unfamiliar with. So I clicked on it and I read the story. It was a story about Canadian legislation in Ontario <laughs> about nurses. Just get this. Nurses, they they created a law that allowed that that nurses could only get a 1% a total of 1% pay increase across 3 years. So all across uh, you you could all you could get no more raise than 1% across every 3 years. And this is this is bound in it approved in, mm. in Ontario. So this is this is the genesis of the conversation I have about American nursing problems. And I just went in, in the middle of the conversation, I said, hey, by the way, guys, I don't know if you noticed this, but this is actually about Ontario nurses and the fact that they could only have a 1% raise uh, every three years, which sounds really horrible to me yes. for lots of reasons since we, know, you know, and I just left it there. And it was fascinating, some of the conversations and the messages I got after that, because you know, it, one, some people took it as an assumption that I thought certain things. The other was, wow, nurses on, in Ontario only get a 1% raise. And then it was, and then it was like, oh, this, no one read that post. No one actually read the story. <laughs> they, they just, they just sued. So I, I think those are, those are just fun. Those are fun ways. If you get the moment to open the door for conversation and be like a curator of conversation, as opposed to like, again, going back to what, what Lindsay started us with, am I about winning? Because if you go into a Facebook competition, comments competition to win, you are going to lose and you're going to go nuts. Uh, and even if you quote unquote win, what, what do you win? What's, what's winning look like? And I think my recommendation of how to post is really to get to those open-ended questions that you're mm -hmm. talking about, Michael. I don't know rarely have I seen those open-ended questions work well on social media uh, because people are hiding behind their screen and not looking at a face across from them. Uh, so that's why I often encourage for that conversation to go offline. Um, but those open-ended questions are how we can learn from each other without making critique or assumptions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it is challenging. I've had a lot of... I don't really engage very much with social media, but I do use it as a platform to have a lot of lunches, coffees, and phone calls. 
but I do feel like that has gotten a lot more difficult in the last five or six years. Um, it, it used to be that I would talk with some friends or family and we would have some great discussions, but things seem... I don't really know what to do when things seem so far apart. And maybe it's because we haven't hung out with people, you know, like we haven't done things other than talk about large complex issues that actually don't really have discrete solutions. But you know, Evan, you're really good at having conversation, finding common ground. That's one of the things I love about Evan. If you haven't had a chance, I guess some of you might've had a chance to travel with Evan but because of our work, we travel together a lot. And the one thing Evan can do is find common ground in a room of people who can't see eye to eye. He'll just, he'll keep digging and ask, throwing out crazy random knowledge that nobody in their right mind should know until he gets a hook. And he'll find, oh, okay, all right. They're really into, you know, I don't know, sub-Saharan basket weaving. He'll he'll know something about that. And, and go on about a tangent. And I think that's one of your, your real gifts. And I think that's one approach to, uh, to, yeah, your knowledge of sub-Saharan basket weaving is really extensive. And I think it's one of your gifts, but that's one approach that I think we forget that exists is that, that despite these, we try to handle at Thanksgiving dinner, you know, Donald Trump or Joe Biden, we try to somehow get people to believe that, actually you should have been Republican all this time or Democrat, or you're not a real Christian unless you're an evangelical Christian, or just you're no longer part of our family because you're not Catholic. You know, like I just hear all these like, you know, ultimatums. It's like, we have all these hard lines and we forget that we have this incredible rich life that we share together, that we have common knowledge and common passion for, for a certain type of sporting event or type of music or, and, and I think that's one approach that uh, I've learned in in our work. Uh, again, Evan and I share work in in campus ministry, working with lots of campus ministers who think lots of different things. Is that we all have some common values and some common things that we we can talk about, and rooting ourselves in those things that we share in common, and having fruitful and kind and generative conversations with each other around that leads us to be able to deal with some of the more complex, more difficult things. But Thanksgiving's not the place, for example, to try to deal with uh, theological or political differences. You know, that's, it's just not going to work. Nobody's going to change their mind over Thanksgiving and say, you know what, Lindsay, all this time, you were right. I was wrong. I mean, that's nice to hear, but probably I mean, not going to happen. That is true. That is, <laughs> okay. That's true. But so, I think... Go no, ahead, Evan. No, nope. I'm asking another question, so finish it up. I think that what you're really naming is um, in this in a book called Crucial Conversations, which I think we've referenced oh, before. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. Um, there is this concept called searching for a pool of shared meaning, and what that really means is that while we may think really differently, what core thing can we get down to? that we agree upon um, and use that as our foundation. And when we're feeling all over the board and really different, continuing to say, okay, where, what is the root that we can both 
agree on and come back to every time we need to come back. Um, and I love that they describe it as a pool of shared meaning, because in some ways it's coming back to the water source and the well, where are we the same and where can we go back and draw from mm. and drink from, uh, before we start on that journey again of being different. Mm-hmm. Um, and because when we remember how we are connected, it does make it easier to dialogue how we've moved from there and the things that we think differently about. And without fail, no matter what, we human beings can find a pool of shared meaning. It may take longer in some conversations than others. Um, It might be a plastic kiddie pool. mm -hmm. Even, so I'm gonna say, I'm not opening the can of worms uh, to have this conversation, But even a conversation about abortion, so much of that conversation is about uh, desire for the health of a human being. And what is the, how can you best care for an individual and keep them healthy? And whether we're talking physically, mentally, anything, how can you keep somebody healthy is kind of your pool of shared meaning around a topic like that, both sides believe that it should be done very differently. Hmm. Well, but they agree on what the root of what some of that is. Well, let's get into it. I mean, let's just talk about abortion for the next 20 minutes. Very specifically. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, so what What I, I have a question going back to that. Uh, so you talked about how we have to have a willingness to learn and grow and change our minds uh, in order to approach these conversations in a healthy way. Is it necessary, in your opinion, that that's reciprocated on both sides of the conversation in order to have the conversation itself and for it to be productive? I think that it's helpful. Um, (laughs) You will make the most progress and movement. Um, I don't even like the word progress. You'll make more movement uh if you are both open and willing for that um i love it when they don't i hmm. i i learned that uh this i'm gonna take you back to my freshman year in college i i, I, I love I, going I, on all these adventures <laughs> with you i learn so much about you every time you share a story that of different seasons of your life the rabbit hole of michael mccord's life so i pledged a fraternity and in our uh pledge class we were taught uh, there's this whole chapter on like the the best brothers are those who are anti-greek so so those those uh and i think it's true across greek at the same teaching is kind of across Greek life. So men and women who are anti-Greek life, who then find a home in a, in a community um, are some of your best members. They're the most committed, the most fun. They're most, they're just, they're, they're, they're some of your best members. And I have used that uh, in my own life in lots of different ways, like in ministry too. So people who, who, who are anti-Christian or, or anti-faith tradition, um, who find their way into our community are some of our most incredible gifts in our community uh, because of the transformation they've experienced. Um, and 
and I think that's true in, in people's lives where I've been able to be part of it. They thought I could never be in relationship with someone like that. And then you find yourself in a relationship like that. Those are some of the greatest moments that you can have in life because, you know, differences uh, cause heat and heat is where transformation happens. That's where change really occurs. That's where energy is created. And, and so I think sometimes that differencing of approach and opinion and placement um, is kind of their really fertile ground for someone, especially if, if you're like us and we're kind of human curious. So we're just, we want to understand why people think and do what they do. And so a lot of times we'll enter into sort of one-sided conversations in the sense that they don't have the same curiosity for us. I mean, part of it's our profession, you know, as a, as a pastor, I'm, my job is not for them to, to like me or to, or even to really to get to know me as a, in so much as it is my job to understand them and help them understand themselves and God's uh, love for them. And, and so it's a, it's a little different scenario. Same when you're counseling, it's not a, it's, it's, it's a one directional relationship mm-hmm. a lot of times anyway. And so I think some of those are some of the most fruitful where they, they're surprised all of a sudden that, that, that we have more in common than they thought that they did. Uh, and I, cause I think it's a lot harder to arrive at a mutually beneficial, like it's a lot harder for two people to come together and say, you know what? I know we disagree on abortion, but for the next hour, we're going to eat dinner and we're going to have really open dialogue and trust building exercises and curious minds and open hearts about abortion with each other. Like that, that usually isn't the way it happens. It's that you've decided, I really like Evan. There's a lot I don't understand about Evan but I want to get understand why he, cause this doesn't make sense. Like his belief on this doesn't make sense to me. And I want to understand it. And that's usually how I think most of these relationships evolve. Oh, I can say this. There's a lot that Evan doesn't know about Evan. <laughs> there's a lot Michael doesn't know about Michael too. I'm sure so, there's parts of myself that I do not know either. But I felt like it was admit. important for me to say that out loud. Uh, but we were all looking at her. I know y'all were like, say the words. I wish I'm you like, could see her. She is sitting in this bright red chair. That's just, it just, it's, it's a wingback. Yeah. It's a wingback. You look like you're the authority of it, it. And that you also work for UGA. It looks like too, but I know there's um, a lot of red going on today. Yeah, red and black in my, yeah, in my background. I like it. It's oh, a big like dogs. It. Okay. So under our next scenario then. So this is a friend or neighbor that you have some kind of regular interaction with, but through the course of time, whether you've known them for a while or a little bit, some of your differences have gotten uh, exacerbated a little bit, where you've kind of gone two different ways in the political spectrum, but you still want to maintain your friendship, but you just have these little moments where one of you will say something and you can tell the other one kind of wants to challenge that a little bit, but maybe doesn't want to bring up a more serious conversation. So I think that many of us, especially over the last two years, um, are able to know that you want to be together in the end, right? But you can kind of tell that you're not growing together in the same way that maybe you were at another point in your life. Does that make sense? I think I was just going to say that um, I was having this conversation the other day about how do we, when we don't, we're not, we can both be growing and what happens when we're not growing in the same direction when we used to be growing in the same direction. Um, And some of that 
is, I mean, surprise, surprise, I'm going to say, let's come back to feelings and say, how does that feel? And really grieve that you're not in your growth. You guys might not be headed in the same direction. Okay, time out. Anymore. Talk more about that. Like you're saying that the the moment that you would realize that maybe you're not headed in this growing in the same direction as somebody that you're close to, that should be, and we should recognize that that's an opportunity to grieve and that we might need to grieve that in order to be able to actually move on. Tell me more about that. I think we need to acknowledge that we might have uh, lost something. Uh, we've lost, uh, the perception that we, we were always thinking exactly alike. We've lost thinking that we are the same in so many ways. Um, for somebody that you've always had pretty similar thoughts, it can be challenging to your own. So there's, uh, some sadness around that, that questioning yourself maybe of like, am I thinking things wrong? Or is the other person? Uh, but there's just a lot of grief. We need to use the word grief around things changing more than we typically do. Because most often uh, when things change, there is a sense of loss and sadness around it that we don't acknowledge. And so there's some real grief around people changing. I look back on friendships of mine um, in college, um, I had a real period of grief, uh, towards the end of college about some of my friendships. Um, I felt my, I didn't just feel my call to ministry. I re- finally responded to my call to ministry in college. Um, and remember sharing that with lots of friends. And I had, uh, a majority of my friends all were very affirming of that, Lindsay, that's incredible. We can see God, God's gifts in you and the way that you're being called in that way. And then I had a small group of people that uh, their theological beliefs are such that they struggled with me as a woman uh, answering a call to ministry. And they told me so. Yeah, they don't hold back, do they? They they told me uh, that I was hearing God wrong. That's always a good go-to. Um, and that I really needed to re-examine uh, what I thought God was saying and that it wasn't biblical. And these were people that I had spent three years, and three years in like adult life doesn't feel like that long, three years in college life. Mm-hmm. For any of us that were in that season, um, that feels like an eternity because you're with people every day. Those people that I journeyed with for three years that I felt like knew me intimately in our friendships, uh, saying something like that was almost the first time that we hit a snag of, oh, we are not on the same page. Mm. Um, and... I think that part of me now being more confident and comfortable in my call and my work um, uh, wishes I had handled it differently. Um, But I was really sad, incredibly distraught that people I love thought differently from me 
Um, and I had to cut ties, grieve and walk away. Um, but it was a lot of mourning around that. And now, as I said, I wish I had handled it differently. Maybe I could have created a little space for a period of time for me to take care of myself. Um, but then I wish that I had come back and dialogued more. And honestly, one of my friends, he and I did talk about it years later. And he said, I learned a lot since then. And I really value what you're doing and how God is using you. And that was an incredible conversation of just, we got to talk about how our views had changed over the years and our theology and everything. Um, but that was a season that I really had to grieve. Um, and I think even some of that grief comes back up here and there. Uh, when I hear similar responses these days, when I talk to somebody, um, it reminds me how much I felt like I lost then. I think that's a, a really healthy recognition um, that we all change over time. I think certainly like I have a, a group of five guys uh, that I've had that I've been friends with since eighth grade and we still text each other. And uh, today, you know, when we were in, from eighth until really college throughout throughout college we were very close and we had very similar life experiences and stories and belief systems but as we've grown as we've gone in different directions we've all evolved uh you know greatly over time and so we have a very different relationship now than we did before some of us it's a closer relationship much more uh, vulnerable relationship than it was back then some of us are just we're just We'll be friends. We'll always be friends. We shared life experience for a long time, and we'll always be friends based on that. But we're never going to be really close again. Uh, and I think that's the reality: is that hmm. that you've got to at some point. I think we have we segment people in different parts of. Not everyone needs to know everything. Not everyone mm -hmm. needs to be in my the the center of my relationship. Right. That 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 deep core. There are only a few people that can have that kind of deep relationship with. And I think we're always looking at, you know, is this, is this relationship healthy for me? Is it, and healthy doesn't mean easy. I don't think at all. Right. Because I don't know any relationship that's easy, not even with my spouse or my kids or, or even Evan who, who we get to, you know, have, just have fun with. Uh, now we actually have to work too, mm -hmm. but it's there, you know, relationships take effort. And so, but you, so think about those that give you life. They may not be easy, but they give you life. They make you stronger. They make you think things. They make you happier. They support you when things are were down. You you want to support them when they're having, you know. So those are those are valuable relationships. And then there are others that you have to at some point just sort of set back into a different place. And some of those are family members that just they're the the relationship is more toxic or brings more harm to both of you than it brings good. And you just need to be able to separate those and say, you know what, that you are always going to be my cousin. Uh, or my sibling, or my parents. Uh, there's lots of people who fit in that in that bucket for people in their life. That's something we shared, but I can't, for the good of my own personal life and my well-being, I can't keep you in that intimate palette group of people, you know. And I think your point of sort of sacramentalizing that—that's the word I would use. 
Hmm. Uh, when you're talking about grief is sacramentalize it, recognize that this person's in a different part of, of your circle of friends. And that's okay. That's okay. It's okay for your, your mom to be in that outer circle of friends. If that's the healthy place for you in your life and for them, you know, that's okay. Nothing. There's no expectations about what is right. Um, and, you know, then some other people might be on the inner circle of your relationship. And, and I think that's okay. So find ways to recognize it, to sacramentalize it, which basically is saying, you know, for me, a lot of times it's lighting a candle. It's some sort Maybe of Maybe create a ritual. Yeah. Some, some kind of reminder. And we're going to get into this later. I think we, we've got some later episodes on relationships that I think we'll, we'll delve a little bit deeper into this and how we help work through relationship challenges. But, um, you know, it's fall. So as you're getting ready for Thanksgiving and Christmas and all these the holiday traditions and the family things that you're supposed to do, and there's lots of expectations around those, is, is maybe coming up with some, some rituals that you can do, some sacramentalization of relationships that will gird you, prepare you for those intimate moments where, you know, you feel like you have to, you have to engage with people that are hard to engage with. Well, and that's that was our last topic. The situation that we were going to go into is that you touched on, Michael, was family. As we kind of start to wrap up the episode, are there some quick hits that you would say are good tips for being able to maintain relationships with family members and in-laws over time as we kind of get into these, getting ready, gearing up for the holiday season? Maybe we're it, we're packing our quiver with arrows to get ready to fire the next darts at a family dinner. But I think we all know that that's probably not helpful or beneficial, even if it might feel good in the moment. So what in our experiences have been some great things just quickly that we can do to help maintain those family relationships? I have kind of three more quick takes on, you know, going into potentially hard conversations. Number one, do not use the word, but I think is if that you, B-U-T or B-U-T-T? Probably both are inappropriate for a number of okay, conversations. It's helpful. It's helpful. Okay. So just use it as a rule, of, you know, as a blanket rule. Just try not to use the word but in sentences. Why, why is that? Um, because normally it's about negating uh, somebody's feelings, even if it's your own, uh, that we use the word but uh, for the second half of the sentence. Um it's like, I hear you, but, but and, let me tell you. Yeah, and normally exactly. again, it's just discounting so much of, uh, around feelings often, or it really, it's, it's a value. casual, it's a casual phrase. You really have mm-hmm. to catch yourself. I did in this episode, if you didn't hear it, because it's, it's easy, it's easier to say, yeah. but what about this, you know, or, mm-hmm. but I think this. And that subtle nuance of just say, even if you catch yourself like I did, like out loud, you're like, oh, that's so. In fact, that might even be more, that's even more powerful, I think, in those mm-hmm. kinds of situations. Like, no, not but, I didn't mean but, I mean and. Yeah, or. next next kind of hot take is uh, use reflective listening. Make sure that you are mirroring back some of what the person said, try to summarize it or use similar language back to them to show that you are really hearing what they're saying. Uh, that doesn't mean you are saying, I agree with this. This is, I want to make sure that I'm really hearing you well. A very poor opinion that I heard you say was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably not that part. Uh, it's, I think that I heard you say X, Y, and Z. And you might even say, is that correct? 
Um, and the last kind of hot take piece of advice, use I statements. I feel this way. Um, and say, you know, you might say, I feel angry instead of you make me <laughs> feel angry. You should. Um, just use lots of I statements. I feel, I think, I've experienced. Uh, because you can only talk about you. And we don't need to make assumptions about other people. And we don't need to make broad, sweeping generalizations, putting people in groups. So you only talk about you. Uh, so those are my three kind of quick, make sure you remember that, as well as finding your pool of shared meaning. And be open to learning and check your motives. Know why you're even going into this challenging conversation. Yeah. Uh, uh, some other things I thought of along the, I think those are all exactly on point. Um, but, but, <laughs> and two thoughts I had. One is well, I have to be aware that sometimes I'm throwing daggers at my family because of hurt I've experienced either through them or through other relationships. So family becomes a safe place mm-hmm. because you can't, you can't, my brothers can't divorce me. <laughs> you know, my mom, yeah. my mom can't divorce me. I'm always going to be her son, no matter what. Um, and so I find them as safe targets to take on the hurt that I've experienced in other parts of the world. And so I unleash on them. And at the same time, too, I mean, over a lifetime uh, of uh, 40, 40 something years together, we've we've had our shares of of, you know, relationship challenges over the years. And so sometimes, too, another approach you can have in these relationships is that you bring back all that stuff and you want to make it right. Um, Just like, you know, my my son and daughter were fighting this morning on the way to school about who was going to get the last you know, mean comment in or something, you know, and it's, it's that tit for tat. Like I just, and I'm waiting, I've just been waiting for Thanksgiving so I could finally get that zinger to Lindsay and remind her that she hurt me back in June when she didn't come to my birthday party. June, 1987. That's right. That's right. So those things are real. I just want us to be aware that we do that. It's all it's subconscious. It really is not like I'm going to go to Thanksgiving thing. I can't wait to get back to Lindsay. Cause she was so rude to me. She said, like now some people it is conscious and you talk about and you're like geared up but most of the world does not have that much emotional capacity to plan no 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 and it's just when you're in the moment all of a sudden i haven't dealt with the hurt from 1986 in june when Lindsay really hurt my feelings um as a toddler and (laughs) (laughs) i don't even know if you were born i was (laughs) I can't do math. I, I, know, I know you feel like an old man, but we are not that much just, apart. I don't even know if you were born. <laughs> but I was still mad at you. <laughs> you became mom's favorite because you were in the belly. <laughs> uh, but that stuff is real. I, I, just, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to, I mean, it is, it, this is a funny scenario, but I, it is really real. And I think people come into relationships with all that stuff you haven't dealt with in some kind of way that would be helpful. And then, gosh, so Ted Lasso episode, I'm not going to talk about the episode because I know some people are still watching it, but actually they stole Dr. Phil's words. You know, I think I've used this in this podcast before, but Dr. Phil, I never quote him, um, except for this one quote. 
And uh, it's, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Um, and I think in Ted Lasso, there's something like, do you want to, do you want to be loved or do you want to be right? Um, and I don't know that these kinds of binary situations are really what we're looking for. It's not really that, but, but it makes me think about in those moments where I'm in a combative relationship with someone, I'm like, what's the end result here? Like, what do I really, do I want to be, would I rather be right and break this relationship off? Or is this relationship worth just enjoying this relationship and realizing I'm never going to be right about this? Yeah. Do you want to be yeah. right or in relationship? Yeah. That maybe that's a helpful and helpful way to, to be, be in relationship. We need to be more curious and less yeah. critiquing. Well said. Well said. Well, it's been a good journey, guys. I appreciate these these last couple episodes on on being more curious and dealing with difficult relationships and people who see the world differently than us. If, if, if there's anything we could give the world, both personally and collectively, it's a more curious mind and a more um, generous heart uh, and, and model that for people so they can see what it's like to, to be kind to each other and, mm. and to try to seek understanding rather than trying to be right. That's it. That sums it up. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks to Justin Patton for producing this episode. If you're one of those folks who is just struggling and wrestling with this and trying to figure out a way to build bridges and maintain relationships throughout life, I think we just want to say collectively, and I'll speak for everybody on this, don't give up hope. You're not alone. Uh, This isn't something that you're doing isolated. It's not something that is a waste of time. I think this is the very fabric of life relationships society and our souls attempting to be in relationship with one another so this is this is it this is the this is the kingdom of god in the way that we do this not in necessarily being right but in our ability to stay connected uh, and stay together now it doesn't mean that we don't have principles and ideas and opinions but uh, if you are that person and you're you're feeling some fatigue in this hang in there Uh, and uh, just know that this is something that is worth it and that we're all going through it. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next episode. Bye-bye. Thank you again for listening to Not Alone. If you enjoyed this show, make sure to give us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Also, please tell a friend. If you would like to reach out to us or submit a question, you can find us on our social media platforms. We're on Instagram and Facebook at The Not Alone Pod. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.